Sorry. Are we recording this too? Like I've already pressed record. We're already too far in. We've already started recording. Well, no, I mean, but they the don't video can't go like, back. We've gone too far. She's like, they're going to see me. Your eyebrows <laughs> oh, look symmetrical. That's all you have to worry about. Exactly. That's what I was just making sure because I didn't look at the mirror before I sat down. So whatever. Just drink your Prosecco and mind your business. Adam, she didn't tell you. She got champagne to celebrate christening your new office. Thank you, darling. That is wonderful. Yeah. And then you were late and I couldn't wait anymore. So I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a problem. I just couldn't wait anymore to imbibe some alcohol. Hey, it's, getting, it's, it's getting late. Come on. I got I to cut off time, man. All right. <laughs> Closing time. Time for a Slashers <sighs> podcast to do an episode about Renegade Zombies. Uh, <laughs> okay, this is okay. Slashers, your new favorite podcast about your new favorite horror media. My name is Jake, and with me as always are my esteemed colleagues, co-hosts, and cohorts, Adam, Adrian, and Doug. Say hello to the mutant goons from beyond. Hey, Squish Mittens, it's Adam. And I'm Doug, and I hope you have a wonderful time watching MAGA zombies, I mean, uh, Redneck zombies uh, with us tonight. <laughs> hey, guys, it's Aid and yay, Redneck zombies. Yay. Were you bitten by a squish mitten kitten? Do you have any other Ooh. rhymes that we can go with? I think that all of us should have itten at the end to match Adams. Oh, that'd be fun. What, you guys don't have anything written? I was hitting <laughs> the books. I mean. And then I'm spitting these rhymes. Oh, shit. I'm surprised myself. Anyway, we're talking about redneck zombies today. Fuck rhyming and poetry. Sometimes you need a tour de force of just gross absurdity this is troll march i'm gonna say this if i hadn't watched like 15 other trauma movies i probably would have fucking hated this movie but i loved this movie i loved it the entire fucking stupid movie i enjoyed what did you guys think yeah it's really surprisingly well done like it just i don't know what it is the the film the camera just the the cheesy acting the bad effects like they all come together and just form this amalgamation of just fucking shitty magic that is just beautiful i mean the, the gore is great it's just so completely abs like absurd it's so fun though but the one thing i have to say this movie actually got me higher <laughs> strange <laughs> higher and higher that's next month, baby. It is. Thank you. Uh, for those of you who haven't picked up yet, next month we are doing There Is No April, Only Zool, an entire month of Ghostbusters content. Boom. You heard it here first. I have to remember to post an ad about this, so please fucking remind me. I will completely forget. Aid, <laughs> <laughs> what did you think? Oh, I, I thought the, this one was cute. I don't know why I keep saying cute. I, I disagree with Adam. I thought the acting was actually very good for the low budget and that they did it on a regular camera. All of these characters were believable. I don't think anybody was really overacting from what I can remember, which I just watched it Sunday. So for what, what it was, it was, it was entertaining. I loved all of the city people, especially like in the woods camping, because I feel like I'd be saying and talking shit the same way. And, you know, I don't know. I kind of could relate to it, I guess you could say, but that's all I have it, to say. It was fun. <laughs> no, I, I thought the acting was actually better for a trauma film. You're right on that. Definitely. Yeah. Well, and I this thought. is definitely uh, one of my favorites as well, too. What were you going to say, Abe? 
I couldn't find it there. I'm excited. Oh, no, you're fine. Please, please be excited, Doug, because I'm leaning on you like I've been telling everybody. (laughs) But this isn't Lloyd Kaufman, right? So he has nothing to do with this one. Kind of. Okay. We'll get into it. Okay. Well, you can prove me wrong later. But the fact that he's not like doesn't have his toe dipped in it the way he has in so many of the other ones, that makes the advantage. Hmm. Yeah, he doesn't have any kind of pervasive control. So the way that Shroma comes in on this film they had done most of principal photography. They're doing keyframe editing. They're getting it all ready for distribution. And they had sent it off to Troma. And Troma took a long time to get back because it's a very mom and pop organization. In the interim, they sent it off to like 15 other fucking film studios. And everybody was just like, absolutely not. I will not publish this movie. I will not be affiliated with this movie at all. And then so Troma gets back to them. They're like, hey, we're totally interested. And they're like, oh, we're like almost there. And so what ends up happening is, according to Periwinkle Ludes, the director, I know it's Pericles, whatever, he ends up signing a contract with Lloyd to come in and basically be an editor and work on Troma's War and Toxie 2 and 3. And he gets like deep in the Troma system. So they will help finance the second half of this movie. Mm -hmm. So you oftentimes see the budget of 10 grand for this movie. Five grand is what they did it mostly with. Five grand was polished from Uncle Lloyd. The five grand they got initially was from like mom and dad and my friend Billy. Now, was Full Moon involved in this? I thought I saw Full Moon pictures or something in the beginning of it. Not that Full okay, Moon. Okay, that's what, what I wanted yeah. to clarify. Yeah, this was this was done before Full Moon really became Full Moon. But um, I definitely got to say, this is definitely the movie that if you're wanting to get into filmmaking and you just need some sort of inspiration, this is the little movie that could because for being shot on video, this was one of the um, widest distributed films because I remember seeing it all over the video stores. This was bomb and pop video stores, Blockbuster. What was the other one? Hollywood Video. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. If you like Three Stooges, which I love, uh, you get the 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 rednecks. I, I got to disagree with you, Aid. I like the redneck characters more than the campers. Anytime it got to the campers, I'm like, come on, just get to the fucking rednecks. Cause <laughs> it, it's like, uh, you know, it's it's Three Stooges gold with gore on top. What, what more could you want? And shot on video, too. And the thing is, it's an initial shock. It's like, oh, this movie looks cheap as shit. But no, like after a while, you get used to it. I'm like, and it works so mm-hmm. well. Like it shouldn't work, but it, like I said, it just comes together and it's amazing. It reminded me of my first time watching Trailer Park Boys, where I was like, no, <laughs> this looks stupid. Like who fucking filmed this? Come on. And then I watched. I was like, oh, this, there's something here. Same fucking thing with this movie. At the beginning, I'm like, oh, what the fuck did I sign up for? And like I had watched a version at start. I think it's Troma's version, if I'm not mistaken, because I watched it on Troma and YouTube. I switched between and they had covered up the subtitles of like the location and stuff with other subtitles. And I was like, this cheap shit, get the fuck out of here. And then everything changes very rapidly and pivots to like a fun, good movie. So let's get into it, shall we? Let's do it. Now, I'm going to say this. You're going to see stuff online if you do research. And one thing that I think has always set slashes apart, and I don't mean to swing my big dick around, is that we like to do our research and I like to verify sources and I like to go deep, go hard, go all night, balls deep, if you will. And so when I look at some bullshit on IMDb, I want to look at the next step and see if I can find some verifiable source. Because here's the fun thing. People are stupid and post whatever they want on IMDb. So not only is the IMDb terrible for this, but the Wikipedia is even worse. So 
yeah, you're going to see stuff about like W.E. Benson being an Emmy Award winning blah, blah for NASA. Hey, no, no evidence of that anywhere. Could not find anything. So it might seem like we didn't do research because there's not a whole lot. But we did so much research to rule out the bullshit that there's definitely not. Yeah, no, I was actually looking up the uh, the cast and stuff because I wanted to see if anybody did done anything else. Because the guy who plays Bob was really funny. I really liked him. Nothing. I couldn't even find like pictures of anybody, which was just strange. So I just gave up. I I, I tried a little bit, and I was like, mm, maybe this isn't one that I need to know everything about so and what's crazy so i you can keep seeing lisa dehaven everywhere like she comes up all the time her acting credits are this her alibi which is uncredited and hairspray also uncredited so i don't know why she has like a verified link on a bunch of shit maybe she did something else i'm not aware of but that was very interesting yeah well if you get that uh it was the newer version dvd that came out it's like a two-disc set there's a bunch of special features and they go like to the houses and interview a lot of the actors from this film. Like there's uh, one of the guys, I think he played the big brother. He's the ones that turns into the zombie first and he like sucks the eyeball out of the skull. Yeah. He's like some, some, some guy retired now just living in a trailer. He's like, I will buy that movie. That was a good time. Now this is my <laughs> life. Just sitting in a trailer. Here you go. There's my dog. You know, it's, it's very interesting to see. I, I like that a lot more because you know, it, it you see real life as opposed to just some actors like, oh, yes, this is just something on my IMDb resume. You know, it reminds you a lot of Troll 2, right? Like or the best worst movie ever made where you see these people. Great documentary. Dude, it's so interesting to see like the crazy man who's like, I fucking hated that kid who's talking to the guy who's directing the documentary. Who is that kid? It, it, like, I don't know. It's just very unique at the very least. This is probably the coolest shit that ever happened to that town. Oh, very much so. And just even like it, when they go to the uh, conventions and George is just like he doesn't know how to act around these fans or like he doesn't understand that people look up to these actors for these specific roles. It's just it, things mean such different things to other people. Yeah. Uh, if I'm saying that correctly, but oddly uh, enough, it's I, I speak Adam enough to know exactly what you mean. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. And which is really weird considering I'm straight edge because I feel yeah. like weed is what's supposed to bridge the gap between us. But I feel like it's all of our nerdy references that does. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Star Trek where you're the half black, half white guy and I'm the half white, half black guy. But instead of hating each other, we just ended up being best friends. I don't know. It's weird. Like a yin yang of love. <laughs> and Adam, I got to say, too, just uh, for you, Patreon uh, listeners, his uh, room is dark purple. It looks like the color out of space. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bathed okay. in love, crafty and oozy goodness. It's full of tentacles and testicles. Tentacular, if you will. <laughs> I once embarrassed my mother publicly. You want to hear a story about this? We, I was a child in elementary school. The only time my mom ever went on a field trip with me. And I, uh, even as a child, realized that she did it because if she chaperoned, I got to go on the field trip for free. And I was very excited. I've always loved cephalopods and everything. And I, and I point and I say, Mom, look, it's testicles. And I meant tentacles, but I was in elementary school and she walked away. <laughs> she just wasn't going to be associated with me and looked at me as though I was some child who was lost. And that is a parable for my life. 
<laughs> well, I, hey, that sounds similar to my life. When I was younger and we used to watch uh, SpongeBob, I used to call them Squidward testicles. And, you know, <laughs> I didn't think about it. I'm like, oh, it's tentacles. I would have been proud of you guys just for trying. There we go. Hmm. It's okay. <laughs> so I say all this. If you search this movie online, one of the big things that you'll see is there's actually a German band of the same name. It's just the Redneck Zombies. You can find them at hellbilly.de. They are fine unless I somehow get in touch with them and make them the hidden track for this episode, at which point they're my new favorite band. That remains to be seen. (laughs) So Patreon bonus. There we go. The statistics, if you will. We already talked about the budget. Basically five grand. Uncle Lloyd furloughs the rest of it. Opening weekend, we don't know. It's 1987. The best year of all movies ever years because of Monster Squad and RoboCop. I don't care. And Predator and a bunch of other stuff. Wait, was this 87? No, it was 87 because I I found three different dates. And so that's that's another reason I stopped researching because I'm like, nobody fucking knows what happened. So why am I going to look it up? There's 89. (laughs) There's uh, I even saw one was 1990. But from all accounts and from the timeline that's set forth by Pericles in terms of him working with trauma, it seems to be 87. Okay. Okay. But I could be wrong. If you have a VHS, let us know. Send us an email, slashespot at gmail.com. I'd love to post a correction. It's actually 87 because Pericles Loons, uh, he did the effects on Toxie 2 and 3. And then in Toxie 3, there's a whole reference to redneck zombies at the video store. So, you know. He's the first person you see in that film in the fucking video store. How cool is that? Yeah. And you got the rabbi priest saying, have you seen the redneck zombies? <laughs> that movie was gruesome. It's like, you want gruesome? You should see my mother-in-law. Now that's gruesome. Which that same kind of sardonic <laughs> shit goes to class of Newcomb High, which we just talked about on our friends. Damn, that scary uh, show. Didn't even talk about it. It felt like they had Mystery Science Theater 3000, their own movie after editing it with some of the voiceover shit that they did. And I killed the conversation. No, I, oh, no. I think it's fun because <laughs> it, this movie oddly seems it, it's very hard to place. Like it looks like it could be an early 90s film. It could be a mid 80s film. Just the way it's filmed and the camera they used. It's it's interesting. It's got a weirdly timeless feel. Yeah, I completely agree. Like Napoleon Dynamite. It's like, what the fuck year is that movie supposed to be? But like it just it works. I see what you're saying. I mean, you know, it's interesting in rural movies as well, because even the urban people in this movie are still depicted as being somewhat rural. They're not like, oh, I'm bougie from the West Coast, Beverly Hills. So you could always antiquate certain things that way. Definitely like Midwestern Ron Swanson. (laughs) Like, like he got into Midwest emo. (laughs) Yep. All right. Runtime. 87 minutes. It's 1987, 87. Is it the weird synergy? But then I also saw 84 minutes. So maybe there's a different edited cut. We'll just say 84 minutes. What do we think? Is it delicious? Is it perfect? Is it too goddamn long? What are we? What do we? Come on. Give us the, give us the gossip. It runs better than a lot of uh, its trauma counterparts. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Like, especially the newer trauma films like Poultry Geist and Return to Nuke My, where it just overstays its welcome. The only thing I can say is what, what uh, for me, even when I saw this at a younger age, the, the scene with the campers went on a little too long, uh, like especially the autopsy scene, too. But I, I'm sure we'll get into that later. I'm going to hard disagree with Doug on that second part. But the first part, definitely agree, because it's so like very rarely in trauma stuff. Do you see such an A to B satire without something absurd happening? Right. It's like I am in a campsite and I want to get laid. I don't lick pussy. 
and you're just like, okay, but it's not like, you know, squelching fist fucking or anything going on, an exchange of fluids to make it troll masterpieces. And I kill the conversation twice. Jesus Christ. You watch out, guys. You're gonna <laughs> lose your no, nine lives, you kittens. Of- you squish we're mitten kittens. We need to get a quality process. responses, man. You hit yeah. us with good questions. We're on we video can edit now. this shit out. They, kn- they, they won't know how tightly I edit this episode. God. So I'll if you're going to think, we'll do something down. like this to Q so we know that the Patreon patrons aren't sitting there watching paint Brother. dry. Sweetie, <laughs> yeah, you, you, you are truly <laughs> intellectual with these questions. We want a valid response for these cool. well-crafted questions. I know. Don't worry. <laughs> It's not even that, okay. Zoom lag. <laughs> exactly. Don't worry. And I kill the conversation again. You fuckers are three lives in. You cats are going to die. Directed by Pericles Loons. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. So he talked about basically dropping out of film school, getting married, and then just wanting to spend time with his friend Ed Bishop and do a project with him because they went to high school together. So they just decided they were going to do a movie. Then they decided they were going to shoot it on tape. Then they decided on a name, and then everything came after that. So they thought redneck zombies. They thought they could do horror. They could do it cheap. I mean, this movie is, I'm not going to say it's anywhere near as good as Evil Dead, but you could definitely tell that kind of energy, that gumption, that productivity, pulling something out of nothing and bleeding a stone that you didn't even know had juice in it. Fantastic. He ended up leveraging this into he was a second unit director for Sergeant Kabuki Man. He did special effects. Very proud of the fact that he did the chopstick special effect, which is the most racist effect in that movie. He's the guy actually eating the worms. He is the stunt mouth eating the worms in that film. And then he went on to be in Troma's War, where he claims to have played 25 different characters. He was in Toxie 2 and Toxie 3. Kind of amazing to think about all he was able to accomplish, he's kind of like North American... I had the name. Lord of the Rings guy. North American oh, wow. Peter, Jackson. Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson. I Peter said it before Jackson. you guys did. North American Peter Jackson who had never read a fucking Lord of the Rings book. Oh, he never read those? I don't know if he even knows how to read. Oh. He's a very convincing redneck. He will also note that he plays Ellie Mae. Mm-hmm. I asked her nicely. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. I really do enjoy the Hicks, uh, the rednecks in this, like Ellie May uh, and Ferd, like just the, the acting in this is so fun. And not a single like hard F-bomb dropped, which I was shocked by. I was like wincing, waiting for it. Like as soon as he starts being Ellie May, I'm like, oh, they're going to say that word I don't like. And they were like basically progressive about it. Like, oh, he's a little weird, but he's still whatever he wants to be. She wants to be. I was like, yeah. Go Rednecks. Score one for you. For Rednecks, yeah, that's a huge thing. Like I said, these are not just mega zombies. These are progressive mega zombies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But but, uh, no, I do got to say that uh, the one thing that makes this film special, I think, in terms of like just trauma and zombie movies, that every single character in here isn't just a throwaway character. They're all, I don't even know how to put it, like they're all different forms of humor because it does get pretty serious later on where it gets legitimately scary. Uh, yeah. I don't know if anyone's ever played Evil Dead Hail to the King, the PlayStation 1 game. Yep. Mm. But there's a level in that game where they go to the Redneck Barn. That's not in any of the Evil Dead movies. And I feel like they ripped it a lot from Redneck Zombies. And it, it's it's a very creepy area. And it's it's like the whole um, the ending to this film where Lisa DeHaven goes into the farmhouse uh, with the Redneck. So 
legitimately it's it's a great mix of characters you kind of don't want to see want to see the campers die because you know they're they're all funny and they just wanted to smoke weed and uh, get away from new jersey for a bit yeah and that scene is so interesting it reminds me incredibly of sarah from labyrinth which i know sounds like a very tenuous relationship but she like looks in one direction and there's something and then she looks in the other direction and there's something and she looks in the other direction and there's something there's like omnipresent things going on her ankles getting grabbed the something's coming down the stairs there's the two it, it was very claustrophobic and really interesting i love that scene and then the music to this too um like the original score it's really creepy actually yeah. it's like very good like boom boom like that, like that very italian uh full cheat style yeah. music and then you also get the rockabilly almost mojo nixon sounding like theme song and then uh, songs throughout too very uh, very rockabilly mojo nixon and they released the soundtrack on vinyl i felt that recurring theme was very like han zimmer doing laura palmer's theme it just like it took those like two notes and just really turned them into something big like they made a whole mood with just very simplistic stuff and it let the actors' performances breathe, and certainly the special effects, right? I think that's one of the things where a really convoluted score could really just make it garish and just too fucking much. And I feel like yeah. it was really a good balance. Getting to the special effects themselves, Ed Bishop was talking about being inspired by Dawn of the Dead. He said that was the goriest movie they'd ever seen. And he was like, I know we can't top the quality of the effects in that, but we can top the blood factor. And so he and Perry actually had read Tom Savini's book. So when it came to like pumping blood, these guys are literally using a turkey baster to try and recreate the effects that Savini did. That's kind of amazing, too, right? Yeah, it is. And the effects really hold up on here. I actually, to be truthfully honest, I think this looks better than uh, the Dawn of the Dead effects. Like when the yeah. I remember it was so shocking when I was a teenager and I saw this when when uh, the, the military guy gets his head crushed by Ferd Mertz. And, you know, it's it's a really, really simple gag. It's just like the fake eyeballs coming out, squeezing it through the fingers. But it was really effective. And I think, you know, for people that aren't used to these the, these types of films, you know, they'd see and they're like, oh, my God, I saw the goriest movie ever. You know, there was a missed opportunity when he squished that soldier's head and he picked up the eye because like earlier on, he goes to drink that uh, the radioactive moonshine. and He goes, hope I don't go blind. Like he should have said that before eating the eye. Oh, missed opportunity. I'll take you one better. He does go blind from the moonshine, takes his eyes out, puts the other guys in. He can see again. Hallelujah. Praise <laughs> be to Jake, the almighty idea man who comes up with things 30 years after the movie and well, tries to leprechaun fix it. stole that, didn't they? The first leprechaun movie. Remember, he gets blind and he puts the cops. eye in. Don't steal this from me. Oh, Douglas. my God. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> yeah. It's like an eye for an eye, me dear. Mm. Oh, my God. I realize I'm a thief oh. now. I'm a big fan oh, of Will Davis. Oh, it's St. Patty's Day is coming up. So how nice and fitting for that to come up in this conversation. Oh, yeah. Well, I, it, since it is St. Patty's Day, I just got to say real quick, Leprechaun is one of the poor villains that uh, he's probably the nicest one there is because he wouldn't have uh, went after anybody if they didn't steal his fucking gold. They didn't take his gold. Yeah. He's a I hero. remember that. He'd have a family, a picket fence, a house, and, you know, <laughs> three mortgages. And, you know, he'd be living life if you didn't steal his fucking gold. Leave him alone. I know. The Atomic family, two and a half children. Mm -hmm. So shall we get into the slay-by-play of this movie and kind of go through a little bit of the timeline of the events? This movie, surprisingly linear, some really good talking points, I think. Uh, we haven't really done that for a lot of trauma films, but I feel like this movie actually has like a narrative arc, right? Yeah. Gives us a bit of structure. <laughs> So we start off 
And there's this scene, and instantly I'm thinking of Trailer Park Boys, not just because of the shot on tape and the visual element, but like the way that they're talking back and forth. There's a lot of like talking out the side of your mouth, like, and the best exchange in the entire movie is when Ellie Mae's like, I'm going fishing. And the brother's like, you got worms? And Ellie Mae goes, yeah, but I'm going anyway. I, I would love to put that on a shirt and I would wear that on a shirt. Yeah, like I said, this is very Three Stooges-ish. I mean, the, the, some of the jokes they have in there, uh, you know, like, uh, like Ellie Mae, you coon shit. Like, just all these jokes. There's even, like, the same slapping when the dad's yelling at him. Slaps all three of them. And then they're carrying that barrel, too. That's It's ripped straight from the Stooges, but, you know, that just shows you how timeless it is because it'll make you laugh. There are a lot of references in this movie. Like, most notably, I think there's the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, That's an amazing scene. Anybody want to relay it or or shall I? It's almost like the hitchhiker. Yeah. So he basically takes a picture of him selling the moonshine off the side of the road. And uh, he's like, yeah, here you go. Here's a picture that'll be, uh, you know, trying to charge money for the picture. And then he goes out and he pulls, he pulls a, it's not a straight razor. It's just a regular shaving razor. And he starts cutting himself up with it. And that's still a shocking scene. It's, it's recreated for, for kind of laughs to rip off Texas Chainsaw. But in a, in a scene by itself, it's effective. I, I think that's really creepy if you were to pick up someone and they start cutting themselves with a shaving razor. And he even chases the car and slaps it and everything. I think it's very, yeah. it's a fun ode. And I actually really like the modernization of the razor. I think there's a, a, a sense of humor to it. I mean, you know, like it's so antiquated. It's almost like if somebody had like a different cell phone, if you will, or something to like show how far we've come and how like nerfed stuff is, I guess. You mean like a Motorola razor? Mm, this guy makes the better jokes than me. Also, the way that the humor was in this scene reminded me of a parody of Texas Chainsaw Massacre or The Hitcher or whatever. Something about Mary when he's like six minute abs, no, seven minute abs, six, eight minute abs. Reminded me of that style delivery. So I had to mention that because I did not think of something about Mary for 20 years. And it came flooding back when I was watching this. Something about Mary. They, they took a lot of stuff from a lot of trauma movies uh, into their ways. Because I, I think even on Terra Firma, one of the reviews is like, there wouldn't be a something without Mary, you know, if it wasn't for trauma. So I think it's definitely an argument. Now, the knockers scene. Best knockers humor I've seen since Young Frankenstein. <laughs> you got to love it. The music, impeccable. The character design very much reminds me of the Texas Chainsaw sequels with like the garish color and chop top. What did we think about? I I, I had put in my notes, quote unquote, simply delightful. Any any comments or concerns? Well, those uh, those tatas look pretty good with the whipped cream and the cherry on top. And uh, yeah, the joke is a. I like knockers. Yeah, I like knockers, too. I like knockers, too. And someone's knocking. Hey, someone's knocking. I like knockers too. You know what I mean? That's that's that's, that's Ed Ed Nettie humor. That's what that is. Oh yeah, dude. Uh, double D's nuts completely. in your mouth. Yeah, double D. <laughs> and also on the topic of knocking and death, because we're talking about a horror movie, the band Death did a song, Keep on Knocking, really good. You should check it out. My next one I wanted to talk about. Alex Loons, the director's two-year-old son, put in a fucking washing machine and it's implied that's how this redneck is going to take a bath but first we have to have irradiated whiskey moonshine bottle this is amazing yeah i love this <laughs> that was really cute i those little things were fun with this one especially with the bait like she's 
Firstly, the whole delivering the moonshine, I'm like, is this Drizzly or like Uber Eats from the 80s? Like, how <laughs> fun is this? This was so cute. And so he's delivering all his little moonshine and she puts it in the baby bottle. And I can't like, I, you know, like back in the day, they put like, what is it? Whiskey or brandy on baby's gums. I don't know if people still do that. They used to use cocaine too as an anesthetic. <laughs> yeah. Like I remember my grandma used to um, give us coffee <laughs> when we were babies. <laughs> <laughs> went from zero to party real fast you know the first fun. thing wrong with you nana is no cookies all the time i'm so sick of this nana that, i love you oh wait you said coffee that's the opposite coffee. Like, you know the problem you wrinkle yeah. up old hag yeah, that's, that's like me. why I, I already can't stop moving. And just this, this is probably why. Who knows? But um, no, I just thought that was really cute. And then I love how the baby comes back later. And so that was a really cute little little touch with that. And the fact yeah. that they use a baby because, you know, people would be so like reviled by such a thing. But it, it definitely leaned more towards the comedic versus like when you see, for example, rabbit grannies was a little darker, obviously. Yeah, that that girls mm. with the amputated legs and the brain and mm -hmm. everything was much more severe. Yeah. Let me ask you, you just see the kid as a zombie and you see the kid fine, right? Do you think the fact that you don't see the kid die makes it funnier? Because think about this, like we were, we had talked about like the consequence or like lingering on the consequence of death, right? When you see this corpse being manipulated in rabbit grannies, it has a very different severity to it. You also have the context of death, but you see the kid animated and reanimated. So you don't get that dip of sadness or like paternal concern. It's kind of like in Dawn of the Dead, the remake, that baby's just like born a zombie. So it's like you don't even really feel anything Step about on it. it. That's all I got to yeah. say. Squish. <laughs> this baby was cute because at the end of it, when it's a zombie, it's like eating the, the flesh meat and then it just kind of waves to the camera. Like, <laughs> so yeah, cute. He's like just sitting out there. Yeah. I'm I so relieved that you guys cute. thought it was cute because I thought oh, like my paternity had just ruined me. And I was like, oh, I guess I'm just too big of an oozing dad now. No, it was adorable. <laughs> like you should get photo shoots like that done. Like I've seen special effects people do that with their kids and I always fucking love it. That was a great touch they did. Yeah, because the kid was eating like a, I think it was like a, a chicken chicken skin or something like that. And he just, <laughs> kid, just him waving to the camera while everyone else is like acting like serious zombies. The baby cracks probably, a smile and waves. Probably just got barbecue sauce on his cheeks because he's just oh chowing down. Yeah. Aww. And another thing, too, with, with the whole redneck zombies, like uh, like the mom with the baby in the washer and stuff. When you see redneck zombies, you either think it's going to be like straight parody or uh, it's going to be like serious. Like, but no, this is like it's it's like self-aware rednecks, if that makes sense, where they're not just playing the characters like they're self-aware. Like, yeah, you know what? We're rednecks. We, we know we, what we are. We're just going to live and, you know, and squalor and, uh, you know, wash our babies in washing machines. And uh, because, I mean, when they're buying moonshine, it's it's just normal conversation. Where it's like, well, you were a little late today, so if you're late next time, I'm going to be buying my merchandise from Bird Mertz. And like, no, don't do business with him. Like, it's just, it's, it's small town business. It's hilarious. This weird economy yeah, that exists, like a like fringe economy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's not just the moonshine. It's the the, the tobacco, too, in the beginning. They were tobacco, man. <laughs> God, how did I forget about him? <laughs> Fucking nightmare. Dude, how the fuck did we not Exactly, Doug, you're exactly right. We need a tobacco man fucking franchise. That is what I want. <laughs> You know, yeah, make him like the Stan Lee of a horror universe, yep. like have him pop up in the background. Yeah. Firstly, I'm, I'm ashamed of all of you for not mentioning this, like at the first thing. <laughs> Dude, and like I, 
I forgot he existed for a second there. Like, I don't and, know why. It's like I blocked him out. I know he must be in your dreams, huh? So, and secondly, the the bag reminded me of Jason. Like, yeah. nobody, nobody thought that? Okay. Or the house, so or much. the town that dreaded sundown as well. Yeah. Then there was, like, that whole ethereal, like, dreamlike music behind him, and he was just terrifying, and just that contrast oh. was... Wasn't ugh. that coming from his truck? Was that music coming from his truck, like an ice cream truck? Like, I can't remember. That would make sense. I think it may have been. I thought it was coming from his truck, and that's how they knew he was coming. Or did he just hit the pot? I can't. I can't remember. I don't know. That was a whole fucking, like, drug-fueled fucking nightmare. I got too high at that point. <laughs> that was the beginning of the movie. Apparently, <laughs> Zalun should have done his own uh, anti-drug PSA with, with the Tobacco Man. Because <laughs> honestly, after seeing that... When do you want to do, you know, when do you want to do uh, chewing tobacco? You know, you're going to look like that and sound like that. Like, that's a nightmare. That's, that's perfect for kids marketing to stop them from you know, chewing tobacco and stuff. That one character was better than the entirety of the D.A.R.E. program. Oh, God. That's so yeah. gross. As a straight edge guy who has D.A.R.E. shirts. Yeah, I wear them kind of ironically because nothing I wanted more than to lose my gold star edge status and just like start mainlining heroin when I had this officer with a flat top trying to explain to me why drugs are bad like your lecture is bad get a powerpoint you honky prick let's move on shall we i like that the zombies in this ate scalp that uh, lion from the dare program that was more intimidating than these uh, flat top officers that go home and beat their wife at the end of the day so you know that's i I remember i remember yeah back when i was in school our office his name was officer and he was from the and he was in trouble They're like oh we don't have an officer for our dare program uh, what happened he's like oh he's, he's in jail now he was beating his wife so yeah our school just brought in a bunch of bowling alley alcoholics as cautionary tales you're like your life's not that bad right you got a little bit gout but you have a fun time yeah, might as well Let's smoke them if yeah. you got them well, the worst thing that the cops would always do when they came in was like, oh, you know, they tell you, like, you have to have a plan to, like, exit your house if there's a fire. And they always tell you you have to leave the puppy. And they would give you, I don't know if it was just our cops, but they would, like, give you these scenarios. Like, would you go back if your mom just bought you a puppy? Would you go back into the house to get it? And I'm You're like, God yeah. right. Yeah. Fuck it, I would go back in the house. I would, I, yeah, fuck that. I leave my brother. I'm going to go get the puppy. Like, why? <laughs> I'm responsible as <laughs> shit. I'm How a good pet owner. Me? I'm going to get internet famous when I get third degree burns and save that dog. <laughs> Dodo, here I come. I mean, after the whole, um, when kids go back to school, you know, when they ask, get asked the same question, are you going to save the puppy? It's like, yeah, look at my wrists here. I have like barcodes all over me. Every time I go to the store, they try to scan my wrists. Of course, I'm going to save the dog and put my life last. Oh, nice emo throwback joke. I felt oh that God. one in my blackened soul. Eh, I'm trying. You gotta love a movie where the zombies are concerned about the food pyramid and they ingest fiber for their colonic health. They eat a scalp. I don't know that I can remember a zombie eating a scalp. I know that I've seen them take it off, but not actually put it in their mouths. What'd you think of that? I liked it a lot. Remind me of uh, old Chief Woodenhead from Creep Show Two. Had the same uh, kind of scalp oh. effect there. Classic. Yeah, dog. Joke. Made me think of Idle Hands. Oh, yeah. Idle Hands, that's another one. I love that. <laughs> we need to do Idle Hands. We've talked I about know. it. We all love that I movie. Yeah, that is often definitely getting done. I actually have a, an Idle Hands, the Devil's Playground tattoo. It's it's not for that movie, but it's for that expression. So I, I, I very much am a fan. I'm a fan. Uh, moving on, fat guy who is going to fuck some dismembered legs and ends up making the 
Curly or Costello woo, 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 sound. Um, I love it. It's terrible, but it I just love it. works. Like I said, it's bullshit, but it works in this. And here we get to the real issue. And this is where Doug and I might stop being friends. I love that autopsy scene in its entirety. I would watch a 20 minute fucking forensic files spoof of just that. I think it's immaculate. Why don't you like this, Doug? Dude, it's like Urkel on ayahuasca. It's amazing. <laughs> it, it warms out its well. Because here's the thing: like it's it it's filmed in a dark scene. It's supposed to be a cave. And I just I always thought that scene went on too long. And, and then the I mean the one guy was funny. Uh, what was his name? Bob. Yeah. Bob, uh, yeah. Where he's doing the he, he, he's like, all right, Bob, go ahead and cut the body open. I don't cut bodies open. It looks <laughs> ridiculous. So he's like, I cut open cats. You know. Um, Think of it as a big cat. <laughs> so I, I don't know for me like it's just uh the humor never sat as well it's like a few jokes but it's like uh it's like the whole wax in your carrot joke it's like how many times can you use that for a 15 minute scene um, you know what that scene was that scene was the time that i decided to drink a bottle of cough syrup and watch fear and loathing in las vegas <laughs> that's what that scene was yeah i i love bob especially later on when he's pretending to be a zombie i mean this predates Shaun of the dead by a millennia you know, mm-hmm. and when he's like, oh, and then does the head gesturing over that way. I literally like howled with laughter at that. And then he gets his comeuppance immediately. And he does a pretty fucking good job of like looking terrified. And when he gets caught, like I really enjoy, like Bob is this movie for me. I know there's lots of other funnier people, but this dude is the funniest and like the best acted. Like he goes to polar extremes. And and that's something I think to Teresa. It's like Toto, Toto. What the fuck was that? The Toto thing. What does he say? He's like, oh, he's like, he's yelling at all of them. He's like, I'm going to go over here and freak out. I'm like, oh my God. Like, that's what I would say too. I loved him. I loved, and that's why I was really sad. I couldn't find more, more about him. Well, what about drinking guy? The guy doesn't say one word. He just drinks throughout. Yeah, dude, Midwest emo Ron Swanson. I like He's him amazing. ending up in the cell next to her, just being like, whatever, I got a, a titty mag and some booze. Like, it's really not that bad. At least I didn't get raped and possessed by the nucleoid demon spawn. I feel yeah. like that guy's the wayward son they sing about. Oh. He's supposed to be carrying on. That's that's what he looks like to me. Oh and, and we got to address the elephant in the room or the redneck elephant uh, in, in the room. Uh, Ferd Mertz, uh, he's probably one of my favorite characters. It's, that guy's so funny. He should have been in more stuff. Yeah, he was really good. But also, rapey. Not fun. Not a fan. Yeah, it got weird at the end. Unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they just kind of had to force that in. I, you know, it's trauma. So at the time, you know, rape joke after rape joke, it's one thing after the other. But I think he had some of the best lines in the movie. He's, like, anytime he's on scene, like, I'll laugh. So he was really <laughs> Maybe good. Maybe it's just because it's a fat guy. I don't know about anything. And yeah. when you transpose and you, you change him from silly, like, oaf, looking like Billy Bob from Varsity Blues to a, like you said, this hulking behemoth zombie, that's a very interesting contrast. And I really think that that's That motherfucker's cool. hungry. Mm-hmm. And oh, she don't shook. compare him to Billy Bob. Oh, I love Billy Bob. That's so mean. A ten. Um, a fucking ten. I love him. Oh my god, I was so sad when he. Cl- Anyways, so we're not talking about that. But um, no. But the movie does. It's so interesting because it's very, very funny throughout, and then there's like really, really dark parts. Doug, you were talking about earlier with the with the butcher and the the chickens, and I was just like screaming because I'm like, why are they they're defeating the chickens? And I've always heard about it. I've never seen that before. 
I couldn't watch that scene. It was so bad. And they're throwing the chicks and I'm like looking at Stella. I'm like, there's, I'm talking to my dog because there's nobody home. And I'm like, they're throwing little baby chicks. And I'm just so upset right now. <laughs> so I don't, I can't deal with the animals. Like you can kill people all day long, but don't do the animals. Please don't. Yeah, that was, I think that's one of Troma's PETA videos they made, um, which are pretty graphic, um, you know, because Lloyd's a big supporter with, with PETA. What's so scary about that is that I, I think that's just the whole movie itself. You get the redneck zombies where it's, it's, it's comedy, you know, splattered in beneath. And then you get a scene like that where it just there's no comedy. It's fucking scary because mm-hmm. they, they when Ellie Mae is kind of panning over and looking at that girl tied up. She was a fucking hitchhiker. I don't know if you saw her bags in the back that said, like, she needed a ride. Then she's sitting there tied up in this in this butcher's house. And yeah, it's and fucking scary because that's like sex. That's like human trafficking to me. I'm like, that's a really scary thing. No, I, I agree, because especially when she's sitting there and they never really come back to it, do they? about her no and that's the great thing this movie leaves those little mysteries and that's what's fun like you know bear with me here but star wars everything is being explained now down to his goddamn vest and we're like the han solo and everything yep. everything because it's like well we, we don't have anything else so we're just gonna explain everything to the fullest minutia and get every single cent that we can out of this Versus this every movie. bit of merchandise they can crank out the fucking dice. It's it's too much. You can have seven prequels for this one movie and it would work fine. Yeah. All right. So now I'm ready to debut my amazing what should be fucking award winning interview with Ed Bishop. Ed Bishop did fucking everything on Redneck Zombies. I don't think he was actually physically in it, but his mama was Debbie was. I didn't ask who Debbie was, but I know that her last name is Bishop, which through the law of averages means that they were related, but uh, he was the executive producer, the associate producer, line producer, uh, script supervisor, editor of the film. He did visual effects. I mean, Jiminy Jillikers, the guy is amazing. And what's like the coolest thing ever is his career trajectory went from horror to MMA. My recent podcasting history has gone from MMA to horror. And we talk about how the fan bases interact and all sorts of stuff. And just basically everything from piracy to the essence of indie filmmaking. So check it out. This is Slashers, or at least the interview portion of the show, which I'm still not entirely sure how to introduce. My name is Jake, and with me for the first time is my new best friend. Sorry, Mark Torgel. Ed Bishop. Ed, how are you this morning? I am great, Jake. How are you doing? I'm living the dream. I, I'm so amused, like I was saying, at the career trajectories here because, you know, for many of our fans followed us over from the Overtime MMA podcast. And so I used to do MMA and now I'm a goon in horror. And you used to be a goon in horror and now you're in MMA. What's that change like? So, I don't, well, they both have a lot of blood in common. So that <laughs> Right. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, brother. I, and also like a rabid fan base, right? <laughs> so, yeah, that's a really, that's true. Like, hardcore fans and just people that just, are so enthusiastic and just eat up everything about it. You know, it's, it, it makes it interesting because, you know, too, there, there's always such a, a hunger for new content and just keeps us really crazy busy. But, you know, that's why this is just the fastest growing sport in the world. <laughs> and it's perfect. It keep, keeps going. Yeah. Like I'm a big hockey dude, right? And so hockey mm-hmm. is super expensive. And so it doesn't have the audience, even though the yeah. gameplay mechanics are exactly soccer, right? Soccer, you just need a ball. And in combat yeah. sports, you don't even need a ball. Jiu-jitsu, <laughs> you don't need anything. You don't even need clothes. Well, that yeah. might be a different kind of <laughs> yeah. uh, end result. But in terms of like life lessons that you took from going from horror into yeah. MMA, is there any 
like one A to one B career wise? Not yeah, not really. Yeah. You know, it's so it's so interesting. It's just you know, it was just a series of events that that got me into MMA in the first place, and uh, you know, just be, became just intriguing, and then and then just got to be where you know, where I ended up getting work. But uh, I was really fortunate enough to get into UFC. I got into it by working on a documentary about MMA with uh, Perry Lunas, who directed okay. Redneck Zombies. He had a, actually had a friend who was uh, who was uh, training a fighter, and we got really interested. It was just starting out as a sport and yeah. starting to catch on. Um, still had that same reputation of craziness as you know, like a, a blood sport. And so we we did a documentary that ended up you know doing a couple of things went some places somebody saw it at ufc and they were opening a, a office in la and said hey would you be interested in working and i don't know just stuck with it the rest <laughs> is history i mean you got to work with uh randy couture and forrest yeah. griffin in like the formative days yeah. i mean that's yeah. like legend status still so so yeah i mean it's pretty it, it's amazing when i'm you know just you know, meet people and it's like you're in awe. And in fact, that's funny. Like I, Forrest Griffin works here in the building. And, yeah. You know, I, I like, ran into him in, in the cafeteria and like standing next to him, like, like, like such a huge fan, like he's still getting tongue tied, you know, talking to him. Well, and Forrest, uh, it might sound like a roundabout analogy, but like Forrest becoming uh, all the way up to fucking UFC champion. Nobody saw that. <laughs> and it's like the little tank <laughs> engine that could like this earnest yeah. dude who just tried hard. And that's you with redneck zombies, which is why it's persevered. Thirty years later, yeah. you still have idiots like me DMing you and be like, "Hey, yo, bro, you got fifty minutes? Let's talk." <laughs> it's just it. It still amazes me. You know, I mean, when we we started to make that movie, we we made it completely for for fun. Yeah, we never expected to to make money off of it, and we never expected it to you know really be you know last. And that's the incredible thing. And you know, not like we got rich off of it, but I mean, at least we actually paid for the production costs, and right? Pay for the website every year, so it does that much. But the fact that it's just so, you know, like so many fans around, and it's like it's really touching. And, you know. Yeah, and your creative process, like you're very candid in every because I've I've Google stocked you at this point, right? And you have such amazing <laughs> pull quotes when it talks to like. Hey, if you if you're gonna make a movie, your goal should be making a movie. It shouldn't be making way. It shouldn't be any of that tangential stuff. And I think that like yeah. that that cinema veritas is really there. Like you didn't like from interviews that I've also because I've also transposed you with Perry. Perry is like, yeah, I went to school, film school, got married, and I was like, you know what? I just want to hang out with my friend Ed Bishop, who I went to high school with. So we just made a movie to make a movie. And your goal was a movie before it was a horror movie, before it was a horror movie about redneck zombies. You just wanted to do the thing, and that's so exciting to me. Yeah, that was it, and it was so it was so organic the way the movie came about. You know that that it just I, I can understand why it touches people, and you know why why it works. And it's like it's confrontational, but it's never mean spirited. It's fun. It's provocative because a lot of stuff that trauma does. I mean, people find it dis distasteful because it's too provocative. But I think you guys f did a very good job at the time of being completely untethered, right? Like because you're yeah. self-financed, you don't have a producer. Yeah. You're the producer. Yeah. Like, let's <laughs> yeah. get into that. You were the producer, yeah. editor, special effects guy, <laughs> camera dude. Uh, and I've seen different things about script supervisors, so I'm not exactly sure if that's true either. So you just did the yeah, movie by yourself. Good part of the time, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was, it was just, you know, it was one of those things. You know, we had, 
we had a core of, of people. It started with me and Perry, and then we we had a couple other friends, uh, Bill Bill Decker and um, George George Scott came into it right away, you know, to help us out. And then as people started finding out about it, we would ask for favors. Like Ken Davis was there one day, you know, said, Hey, you want to shoot? You know, can you come down and shoot with us? We didn't expect it to take as long as it did either. You know, yeah. we figured it would take, you know, like a few weekends and we essentially worked on it for about a year <laughs> shooting on weekends. But, uh, yeah. Barry was talking about like AB editing being like one yeah. person will be speaking in fall. The person that they're transposed <laughs> with is, is in spring and then it cuts back and it's another shot from the summer. Like that, must have been because you were basically exclusive to the weekends, right? So yeah, yeah, that was it. And and you know, because we we had full time jobs yeah. and the, all the people were working with us, and we couldn't really pay anybody. So, um, so yeah, so that so people were coming, and then they, you know, Ken came for a weekend, then another weekend, then he ended up becoming our DP. Yeah, you know, and uh, you know, it just it, it went on like that with you know just great friends helping out. And that synergy that you built, like you went on, you worked with, you know, Perry, obviously, again, you work with Bill on Toxie 3, like kind of being in the trenches and kind of suffering and celebrating together. Like <laughs> You guys are thick as thieves now, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's crazy because Perry's that's career, true, he's true. now a baker and, and you're in yeah. L.A. And you, I saw you also like his bakery online. And I'm like, <laughs> how cool is that? Like, that's just it's true. still friends and, and no toxic relationships and stuff. So, man, I mean, that's like, I love, you know, it's funny because he, he had talked about, even then, you know, we always talked about, well, what would we do if we couldn't be filmmakers or yeah. if we decide, you know, get, you know, ended up not being, and that was the one thing actually both of us had talked about, I, you know, I think maybe I could do a restaurant. We're like we thought, okay, well, let's, let's find some other, other career, like, you know, like making movies that cost a fortune to get into right. and has a really low rate of success. Super low. Yeah. <laughs> but, like 90% of new uh, restaurants close in their first year and he just happens uh, to do it during a pandemic. I'm like, Oh, I uh, know, but, but I know that Perry's always been an amazing cook and, yeah. and a baker. And, you know, I, it's like, he, he, I used to you know, love the stuff. And so I, I always knew eventually he would, he would do that. And I'm just thrilled to see it. I wish I wasn't so far away, but I've asked him a couple of times if he'll do mail order. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> it's like, send me a bread, man. I'm all about it. I, I was but, like, uh, Hey dude, like, I know you're super busy, but let's just do a bumper for the show so you can plug your stuff. So he and I are working on that too, just because uh, I think it's uh, awesome. Great. Like, you know, because I, you know, I just interviewed Mark Torgel. I, I talked to a lot of people pretty distantly in their rear view. Like, obviously, this movie's pretty far behind you. And so, when it comes to like, you're basically in an entirely new career, kind of tangentially related. Uh, is it thrilling to you to kind of have this time capsule to that point of your life, or at a certain point, you're just like, God damn, like I really wish that people <laughs> would care about what I'm doing now. Like, stop <laughs> DMing me about this old shit. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's not, it, it's funny because you kind of, you know, you go through sort of the, the ways, I guess, mm -hmm. where, you know, there was, there's a point, you know, where it was, you know, it, it was behind us and it's, it's always, you know, has a, has a special place in our heart, but, you know, we start thinking, well, we're, we're trying to get something new and, you know, do people notice our new stuff? And, and, and then it gets to a point where it, the, the, that's the fact that it's been around for so long and so many people love it and it keeps getting new fans that would start to think, you know, that, you know, this is special and, you know, I, I'm doing new things and yeah, I'm really happy when people notice things and appreciate them. But this has become such a cultural icon that I, you know, I feel like if I only do one thing in my life that people remember me for, you know, that's, that's has my name after I'm gone and, and it's Rednecks Zombies. I'm thrilled with that. 
because <laughs> people, some people detest it and, you know, some, some people are you know ashamed by it and, you know, some people love it so much and some people have said it's changed their lives. Oh so, yeah, dude. You know, so <laughs> it's like, you know, if it kept, you know, make one person, you know, kept one first person from, you know, sinking into a depression, convict, you know, encouraged another person to get into filmmaking yeah. and make their own movie. And that's, you know, we've at least made some kind of positive mark and hopefully we have an influence of serial killer. Yeah. So. Even if you did, who cares? What's a little bit of serial killing among <laughs> friends, right? But like, this wasn't convenient for you. And I think that's something that you've touched on many times in interviews as well. Digital filmmaking is cheap. It's easy. You have no fucking excuse not to at least try. And meanwhile, you're out there working a full-time job, helping people paste cornflakes onto their face to recreate gore in the winter, in the summer, and you're getting it done. Do you feel like, you know, not just not, not trying to date you like you're a grandpa or anything, but do you feel like you hiked up a mountain 20 miles in the snow to get to school and you see these fucking kids and you're like, with your segue, get out of here. Yeah. That's exactly. And, you know, try to be philosophical about it. But, uh, but it's true. You know, we, when we made this movie, it was tough. Yeah. Uh, we had to like, you know, we had to beg and borrow and, and, you know, sometimes borrow without people knowing we were borrowing. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> we always put it back, but. <laughs> Very creative there. I like that. But there were things that were lugging these big, heavy cameras and, you know, these huge, you know, like we're shooting on like three quarter inch tapes and eventually beta tapes, which are a little smaller, but. Yeah, these things. And in fact, like 90% of our, our production budget was buying videotapes and the other 10% was, you know, buying special effects stuff and, and, and lunch. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I've seen, you said that there's like three hours of extra outtakes and footage and behind the scenes stuff. Did you realize what you were doing was special when you're kind of documenting the process? Cause that was kind of revolutionary for that kind of filmmaking. It was, you know, we, we didn't, Really, unfortunately, because we were so focused trying to make the movie, yeah. we had one uh, one of our actors, Jim Housley, was uh, you know was also a filmmaker of his own, and he kind of took it on himself to document and you know do behind the scenes, and and a lot of times we weren't even aware yeah. of some of the stuff was going on. So he had he had hours and hours and hours of of stuff that was really fantastic and unfortunately a lot of it was lost in a um i think a basement flood oh geez so what what we really have is like a a, like an hour and a half of of stuff that he pulled out and strung together that's really great um and unfortunately so the people some of the actors years later asked me you know what happened we were doing this you know thing with jim where he was interviewing us and we were doing characters and scenes and things and Oh, that stuff was was gone, unfortunately. That, that's kind of beautiful, though, right? But but a lot of stuff that maintained was really golden. And yeah, we had no idea until years later when I, I watched it and saw some of these outtakes and behind the scenes. Like, this is gold. And you interviewed really well back in the day. I watched some mm-hmm. stuff with you where you're talking about like, yeah, we couldn't match <laughs> Tom Savini. So we just tried to make it a bunch of blood. And, and you're so <laughs> candid. You know, there's such an earnesty to everything where you're like, yeah. There's no question. Like, it speaks for itself. Like I'm not Tom Savini. I'm having used a turkey baster, but I got it fucking done, right? Like I love that attitude. That's it. I mean, and uh, and uh, I'll 
like great gratitude to Tom Savini for that book because <laughs> it's like that's we we read the book and said, okay, well here's how he did it. We'll see what can we do that's you know <laughs> anything you know I'm not going to approach that. But what what can we get away with, especially yeah. with a five dollar budget? Yeah. Seriously, and you had a great. But, what's crazy to me is yeah. if you see a lot of like low budget stuff, and some of the actors are just so atrocious. You're like, God, please bury them in a vault underground and never want to see an act again <laughs> and you had a team of great actors and a lot of them never went on and it's, so it's like it's kind of like a beautiful stage play you've ever got like not to sound like overly theatrical or bougie but like you go see a stage play like, this is the best performance of hamlet ever and i'm one of 15 <laughs> people who saw it and everybody else can fuck off and that's kind of what this movie became where it's like a core group of people come together do this amazing thing and it's just kind of gone but it's also kind of there forever is that a weird <laughs> thing to juxtapose yeah, it, it kind of it is and it was yeah it was just an it was an, such an interesting group of people and it was all you know it was all friends yeah you know so it wasn't like we had a, a casting call and an audition you know we were making this movie and we just thought of you know some sometimes we wrote characters and thought of people and then sometimes we thought of people and wrote characters there you go yeah you know, and sometimes we were just incredibly incredibly lucky lisa de haven was just like she was just, we knew that we wanted the anti-horror movie heroine. Yeah. And we we wrote the part, but then like about halfway through, we thought of, you know, who we might get to play. We thought of her and she was, you know, she was a friend from high school. She'd been, we'd been in a couple of, you know, like school plays with her and had done a couple projects and just knew she was like just a great actress and a like a, just a wonderful person. Yeah. Dude, that scene in the shack at the end is so intense. And she like blew us away with her, her performance, you know, and most of the people in here had never acted before. And, you know, a couple of them, like uh, Bill Benson, who played Pa, um, was a professional actor that, that Perry you know, had worked with. And that part was actually written for someone else. Oh, yeah. Who ended up not being able to do it. Ooh. Uh, so Perry thought of Bill, and again, Bill was brilliant. And then your mom ends up acting in this film, right? <laughs> yeah. And your mom got you into horror movies. <laughs> she did. My mom. My mom was a horror fan. She was. She was a fan of like the Universal monsters. Yeah, dude. And so when I was a kid, we would watch, you know, like Frankenstein and Dracula together. And um, so that's you know that's really how I got, got into it. When I was making making the movie, my mom, you know, kept hinting like, "Oh, do you have a part for me? Do you have a part for me?" Yeah. <laughs> So she and was eager. This I, wasn't like an IOU she, type thing. She's like, no, come yeah, on, dude. She, she wanted to. And she and the funny thing is that I said we didn't make any bad audition. We made my mom audition <laughs> just for fun. We, there, there was never a question she was going to be in it. But that's just so, to mess with her. Like, that's a great flex, audition. right? For all the times you made me <laughs> take she, out the trash and make you work for this. So, But she was great. And she just, she was so wonderful. And she loved that being in it. And she loved that part. So then, red. Yeah. So it was awesome. And my dad was my dad was kind of like, oh well, I'm really glad you're making this thing, but I'm not sure about that kind of movie. I don't think I want to be in it. So I said, no, he's going to be in it. So one day, I uh, we needed a, we needed a photograph. So I grabbed the Polaroid camera, and he was coming downstairs on his way to work. I said, hey, dad. And he said, what? And snapped a picture. And said, <laughs> you're in the movie, and that's the picture that the uh, the um. Hitchhiker. The crazy hitchhiker. Yeah, dude. When he throws down the picture of the well-shaven man. That's my dad. That's so cool. <laughs> I had no idea. 
and like that's another great thing about this movie so you get to pay homage to your mother who gets you into horror and through that the universal classics but then you also get Mm -hmm. your references to return of the living dead texas chainsaw massacre and so you get to have like a literal love letter to moms but then a like another love letter to the things that inspired you that's so exciting yeah yeah and that was it and we were so much you know there's so many things that was sweet and uh, you know so many of those things were were parried because Perry was is like and was an encyclopedia of movies too. So, um, but you know, so he a lot of those little things are are very very him. That's but all. I threw I threw things in here and there where I could. But uh, but it was it was just a you know we just we wanted to to do a tribute and homage to all the movies that we that we love. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> And so when you're talking about the encyclopedia, some of this is not referential. It's very innovative. Like the scene with you, if I'm not mistaken, you also edited the acid trip uh, autopsy, which is my favorite part of the whole movie. I think it's just it's bizarre. It's weird. And you had a budget of like nothing. And you're figuring out a way to induce a hallucination in an audience while editing VHS or beta tape like. How did you have the ingenuity to figure that shit out? Because there certainly there wasn't a Tom Savini book on that, right? <laughs> it was uh, it was a really trial, you know, trial and error, you know, and and this the concept. I mean, the concept was Perry's, yeah. And then uh, George George Scott, who you know played Bob, did that scene. That was ninety percent improvised. <laughs> awesome, and, He's hilarious. And he, dude. he had never done a drug in his life. Right on. He was like the he's the straightest edge guy I'd ever met, and and we we just talked to him. Kind of Perry gave him sort of a little like a little bit of background, yeah. and he he took that. And then in terms of the effects, you know, it was uh, Bill Decker and I made that body, which was his body. We we made that in my basement, you know, pretty much using every you know, everything we could find to put it together, and then a lot of latex to yes. make it fleshy, and then we filled it with organs. <laughs> That's so awesome. And, and it's, then, it's uh, gross and it's fun and his reaction's so earnest. That the fact that he didn't go on to like he's my it guy. Like especially I, I talk about it in the rest of our review of the episode when he's pretending to be a zombie and like Mm-mm. like <laughs> dude, that predates Shaun of the Dead by like over a decade. And I'm like, how the fuck do people not know about this? That's hilarious. Yeah, I know it was. And he, yeah, he was he was brilliant. He he really and he was an unexpected. Yeah fine too because he you know he came on uh, you know as a co-producer and, and lighting director because he was he was perry, perry actually knew knew him from college they went to film school together okay cool. he was really known for his lighting ability and and that kind of thing and that's how how he came on but then he you know he said hey you know i you shouldn't play a part if you got a part for me <laughs> there you go he was amazing and so did you have any like traumatic experience with uh, toxic rednecks as a child? Because you grew up in Maryland, if I'm not mistaken. Not a whole <laughs> yeah. huge lot of rednecks there that I'm familiar with. Because maybe when I was living there, it was more in the Baltimore area. So <laughs> how did your past inform so, this? Yeah, yeah it, well, it was more like, uh, you know, there were areas, you know, of uh, there's de- definitely areas of Maryland. You know, I mean, we, we grew up in Annapolis, but we had, you know, like South, you know, South County. Okay. Where it's just, you know. Very, very redneck and we both had experience on the, the eastern shore and then perry was living in salisbury at the time that we uh that we wrote the movie uh, i'm sorry that uh fester smellman wrote the movie and uh, sent us some co- copies uh, of <laughs> but uh anyway but we so you know we had exposure to these characters and yeah. you know and so it kind of i don't know it just it kind of germinated in that way 
that's red. That, like, but it was, but it was, ne- it was never really such, you know, it was never like bad or toxic experiences. It was just experiences. You know, we knew characters and we yeah. thought they were funny and it, we thought they were interesting. So, so, you know, we kind of incorporated them into it. Well, because this movie certainly feels like, like you said, it's very character driven because everybody chews the scenery at a certain point and does a great job of like stealing the show. There's like so many like Steen stealing before, like Ellie Mae, for fuck's sake, where you're like, <laughs> wait, this is from the 80s. And like, and these rednecks aren't being like grossly transphobic or homophobic. Like, how the fuck progressive is this movie allowed to be? Like, and it's all based on these like, weird character exchanges and stuff. It's so fun. Like, I think that's one of the things that makes it stand the test of time, too, because who gives a shit about the narrative? We're here for the characters, the beats, those moments. Like, as an editor, because you had to edit the movie, was it fun to string those things along? Like, you had, like, it's like a sketch comedy movie. It's like a banger, another banger, and just stringing it. Yeah, it was great. It was great. It was so, it was so much fun. So much fun to edit. And was there ever, like, like a, a, I guess, an, a big push to do a sequel to this or like 17 sequels? Can we do a sequel now? What's it going to take? Yeah. yeah, there, there, there wasn't really, I mean, there was, there was interest, definitely interest in a sequel. Yeah. We were kind of hesitant about a sequel because we didn't, you know, first of all, we didn't want to do another movie just on weekends. Yeah. That's tough. And, um, and we also, we, we felt like it's, as the movie started to sort of take on a life of its own, we, I guess we felt a little bit, you know, like, how do we do a sequel that's going to live up to the original? And we don't want to do a sequel that's going to disappoint people. Yeah. And then, and then eventually it just, you know, got, got so far away that, uh, I think we kind of gave up. We had ideas for a sequel and there's still, you know, there's still ideas germinating for a sequel. Maybe some radioactive shit gets in some bakery stuff. You know, <laughs> somebody's eating some bread. Suddenly they're spitting out green foam, just throwing ideas. <laughs> yeah. What, if, it, if Perry would do it, I would do it. Hey, I like that. I'm going to hold him <laughs> to that. Now, you know, horror fans are some of the worst fans the best fans but the worst fans because we're the people who will see every sequel and then talk shit about every sequel even though we (laughs) die like we crave it and we want more i'm usually the guy who's like i love the fact that it's one and done like Mm -hmm. i recently interviewed nathan basil who was in behind the mask the rise of leslie Mm -hmm. vernon right and that 2006 movie behind mockumentary kind of thing and i love that it's its own self-contained thing even though people are like grossly obsessed with you know the the sequels and stuff, and maybe it's it. Like in your current industry, you're you're dealing with such an incredibly high volume of stuff. Is, is it hard to kind of be sentimental when day to day you're like, dude, I just edited 15 things of fight footage. I have 17,000 in my inbox. I don't have the time to be sentimental. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It's hard because you know there's some things that just yeah there's some things that do stand out yeah. that, that are. You know, so, but, uh, but again, you know, right, you know, with the, with the volume of stuff, it's hard to get, you know, you, you have to not be attached to stuff. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, like, especially when it comes to horror now, I mean, there's such an incredible volume and I think that the things that stand out, I mean, it really speaks to like the, like the moments, like, you know, I'm sure you have fight like footage in your brain that you'll never forget. Like I, yeah. I'll, I'll never forget so many moments, you know, Frankie Edgar Gray Maynard two and three, like there, there's <laughs> things that like you hang your hat on, like you fixate on for years. Is yeah. there any like horror media that you fixated on or, or, you know, either before redneck or after redneck? So, yeah, there's, I mean, there's some, some things that, you know, that always, you know, always stick, stick with me. And yeah. I think, I think some of the things were, you know, were in redneck zombies, like, you know, like evil dead too, you know, just that's a movie that's just ingrained in my head. Yeah. Dawn of the dead. 
you know, of all, of all the dead movies, Dawn of the Dead still just has a special place. I'm trying to even think of some of the, the newer stuff that, um, but, um, hit Hitchcock, of course, Hitchcock, you know, movies absolutely yeah and then and then you know like mel brooks movies and 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 airplane which is you know iconic and all those things still i think inform my sensibilities yeah and now because because of the volume of stuff now it's you know it's impossible to keep up you know and i see so many people doing independent horror movies and and I see glimpses here and there and I really would love to be watching all of these and I don't, I don't have time to, to yeah. watch everything in it and it hurts because I, I want to, you know, and it's one of the things I've, I've had to kind of leave behind a little bit. And the, like, nobody should ever shame you for that. Like simply put, there's only so much time. Like I, I don't have the patience for people who want to act like this elitist kind of scum. Whether because that's one of the things I'm sure you've seen in MMA where it's like, oh, if you haven't watched every if you didn't watch the prelims at 4 p.m. and stay up till 4 a.m., you're not a real fan. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what the fuck? Like, who are you to gatekeep shit? I know. Yeah, there's there's no way you I don't know how anybody could watch all the, the UFC fights. Yeah, it's insane. I mean, it's just it's impossible. And now, especially now, it's like it's, you know, an event every week. Yeah. You know, it's just it's it's hard enough keeping up with, you know, with production on this. And I, I don't have time to see every fight. And then, like, you, you have fighters, like, look at Michael Chandler. Amazing now, right? Well, I watched all of Michael Chandler's Bellator fights live. I, there's no way I could watch Bellator and UFC at this point because I can't even, like, watch all of UFC. Also, the money, that's insane. Jeez Louise. Uh, I guess that brings me to another point. Piracy. Are you excited that people are watching your movie? Are you still at a certain point like, hey, that's not fair, even though you set out to make the movie specifically not for the money? So, yeah, it... it it bothers me, uh, you know, piracy bothers me a lot. Yeah. And I'll, I will come out and, you know, tell us. And when I see people or hear people talking about it, I will definitely let them know. You know, it's that, you know, it, it, it really bothers me that some, you know, somebody's so obsessed with saving themselves, you know, a couple of dollars. And so many times it makes the difference between a, a film and a filmmaker and a, and a production company surviving. Yep. And, you know, and for us, you know, it, it's not about the money. Like we, you know, we didn't make it to make money, but you know, trauma, trauma has been around for years, but they're not like this huge, rich company. I mean, they're like everybody else, yep. you know, Lloyd and Michael are doing the best they can to, to keep this thing going to keep their employees going and to make enough money to, to, you know, make another movie. And, you know, when you're, you're, I mean, you're taking money from them and, you know, how can you say, I love trauma movies. I want to see trauma movies, but I don't want to spend, Nine ninety five to support you know trauma yeah and it's as easy as it you can know? ever be now with trauma now like literally mm-hmm. it's there and they even do like free trials so if you're on the fence it's yeah. it's that easy like i have a trauma now account yeah. my co-hosts do we didn't password <laughs> share like it's not mm-hmm. hard to be a fan of things and it's really weird yeah, the way the think. internet's done it and i mean in your current profession i mean fight piracy jesus it, it's it's yeah, rampant it's, it's, and how yeah, are you supposed to really fake is. cornermen, fighters, right. all these things, editors? I mean, that's insane. Yeah. You can't, you just can't keep the wheels on without paying yeah. for it, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it is. It's an, it's expensive. It's an expensive sport. It's yeah. expensive for the, you know, for the you know the athletes. They don't really need any gear, but they need you know training facility. They need trainers. You know, they need food. Yeah, and then you know UFC supports the the athletes a lot too, so they get a lot of stuff that's given to them by the company and that's got to be paid for. So, you know, the sport, I mean, UFC makes a lot of money, but they spend a lot of money. Correct. 
cash in, yeah, cash and out. They, yeah, yeah. And they put it, yeah, they put a lot of money to the fighters. And then, and same, you know, thing with, you know, with like filmmakers, especially these independent filmmakers that are, are, you know, just trying to get by and, you know, maybe trying to make a living or just maybe trying to keep it going as a hobby and make another movie. Um, you know, and the small distributors that are, that are just, you know, piracy just kills them. I know, you know, a friend, friend of mine has got a, a small, uh, you know, video distribution company distributing independent horror movies. And, you know, somebody pirated one of the movies and cost them so much money on sales that you know, almost had to go out of business. Yeah. And it's like, that stuff is tragic. And it just, I, I don't understand the mentality where, you know, if you, if you really love something, support it, you know? And it's something to make sure that it's still there. It's not like you're sending a check to a blank P.O. box somewhere yeah. where you ne- like yeah. it's very easy to pay it forward. And there's other ways to yeah. patronize and celebrate these things as well. So I think it's hugely important and not to get yeah. like on a pulpit or anything, but you're like a, a real testament. You know, your career has spanned your generations. You, you went from analog to digital and you still kind of see this pervasive problem. Yeah. Uh, it's rough. Yeah, it is. So I just you know, I hope people. I mean, they're, they're always going to be idiots, but, yeah. <laughs> but I hope he, I hope people that, you know, really don't, you know, are doing it because they don't get it, you know, don't understand that once they understand, I hope that they'll do the right thing. Absolutely. And so if people want to patronize your content now, whether it be redneck zombies or things that you're you know, currently working on, where can they find you? Where can they support you? So, um, you know, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> you know, the, the, I mean, I'm, a, I'm always on the Redneck Zombies Facebook perfect Facebook page, and that's always a good place to, to reach me or, or talk to me. And that's it. Usually I'll, I'll promote if I'm doing anything else uh, exciting. And, uh, you know, right, right now, pretty much, you know, keeping up with Redneck Zombies fans and, and UFC keeps me as busy as I can possibly be. But, um, but I will, I'll plug my show, uh, uh, UFC Reloaded. If anybody watches that on ESPN, that's my show. I, I edit that show. So that's a hugely important that's, that's show. That's my primary job. Yeah. Well, because, you know, independent filmmakers now, I'm finding that there's a, a huge amount of them are doing short films. You know, that, yeah. that one, the, the like the juice, right? We don't need the setup. We just need the one thing. And that's your show is basically the climax over and over. Like you're showing yeah. these highlights. <laughs> That's very important, especially for like a young fighter trying to make his way or an old fighter trying to stay relevant. Like look at guys like Frankie Edgar, like he's still hugely relevant because of the legacy he's had. Your shows like yours give him a new audience who are are very fresh, who are in the Reebok era going, hey, why Frankie got a bunch of logos on its pants? (laughs) (laughs) So I'm I'm really showing my age, I guess. So, yeah, but it's, it's true. Like, so, but it's amazing to me too. Like some, some of the guys like Frankie Edgar that have been around for so long that are still fighting yeah. and are still, are still relevant. I mean, they're still, you know, they're, they're not what they, what they once were, but they're still good enough that they're still, you know, making the main card and yeah. you know, showing up stuff like people like, like Alistair Overeem has been around since the pride days. Horse me. Yeah, dude. <laughs> well, we always talk about Diego Sanchez. Yeah. The fucking weirdo. He's the first ultimate fighter, people. He's Daniel Bryan's fucking yes thing. He stole from this man and he's still fighting. He's the craziest man in the world. Nobody gives that guy enough credit. I know. I love I love to see him fight. Dude, those cartwheels in the parking lot and stuff. I still remember vividly being like, what is this man? And I've never missed a fight. Awesome. Ed, seriously, thank you so much for being on. If you ever have anything you want to promote in the future, whether it's acting, editing, so on and so forth. You always have a home here. 
Uh, and I'll make sure to include links to stuff like the Redneck Zombies page in the description so people can find yeah. you, patronize you, and support your future yeah. endeavors. Sure. sure. I appreciate it. And I'm all, yeah, I always love to, to talk to fans and I appreciate this. And uh, yeah, look, look forward to seeing it. So, yeah, so definitely send me a link to the, the, the podcast. Hell yeah. We're going to be famous, Ed. <laughs> you and me together. All right. <laughs> And that was my interview with Ed Bishop. Please be sure to patronize everything he does. And I, if it sounded like we were on a soapbox when it comes to the piracy stuff, it's really important. You know, like our show is free. You can find it for free. And fuck, if somebody took our Patreon stuff and debuted it on the internet for free, I don't really give a shit. If you, if it's your prerogative to download it and put it on your drive and send it to somebody, I'm kind of flattered that somebody would care. But the fact is, is that I didn't get into podcasting to make money. Neither did Ed. But you have to have at least some verifiable income to keep the thing going otherwise it falls into obscurity there's tons of movies that have done that look at movies like driller killer that lost their copyright and are now in the public domain like there's no incentive for people to make those things because it's kind of lost in the ether and so ed talks about it. he doesn't want to steal your money he doesn't want your firstborn kid he wants enough money to keep the fucking website open so he could share this content with more people and i think there's something really beautiful about that so please check him out support his work and like i said that dude's always got a home here if he wants it. Uh, now let's cut to our friends from Damn That Scary and see what they thought about redneck zombies. Damn, that's scary. Hey, Slashers, what's going on, you fudgicles? What's going on? It's Micah over here from Damn. <laughs> What's going on, you fudgicles? This is Micah over here from... Damn, that's, that's scary. scary. No, that's Will's thing, not you, Greg. Oh, I am shit. joined alongside Will and it. Greg. <laughs> what? I'm taking it. You're taking it? You can't take it. Oh, no, 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 take no, that. no, no. You Just can't. like the white man take, take everything from me? Huh? Yeah, great, great, What you going to do, Greg? Great. Huh? Now, I, have, I have been referred to as the white man. Yes, now we're canceled. Great, thanks I'm, a lot. I'm here to take this. This isn't even our show when we're doing this shit, guys. Oh, shit. We're here to talk about redneck zombies. Redneck zombies. Are we redneck fucking talking about this fucking, this fucking movie? Are we? All right, yeah, I guess we're gonna talk about this fucking movie. This movie with a budget of ten thousand fucking dollars that just did dick all for me. And why? Are we gonna talk about shit. this movie? I like this. What? What? Why are we going to talk about this? <sighs> movie? We're talking about this movie because Slasher Podcast reviewed it, and it is also. Too much, too much, too much, too much, too much, too much, too much. Too much. You didn't do it this time, you asshole. Redneck zombie. No, I didn't because it was too loud. If there was another voice in there, my brain would have exploded. I did not like this movie one single bit. I didn't care for it at all. I liked it better when it was called Zombievers. I do love the part when the toxic waste does fall out of the backside of the Jeep because it looks like some motherfucker actually threw it out of the Jeep. Will, how do you feel about this pile of shit trauma movie? I hate this racist piece of shit ass fuck ass bitch ass motherfucking ass movie. Greg! Damn. Yeah, that came out of nowhere. Greg, how do you feel about Redneck Zombies? I thought it was a well-written trauma classic okay. concerning uh, <laughs> southern hillbillies who find a toxic waste and confuse it for moonshine. I mean, it happens to the best of us. All right. There's some good gore. There's a lot of skin tearing, a lot of guts. Okay. And a pretty decent Texas Chainsaw reference with the hitchhiker. There you go. 
Ignore. Also, it's a big old piece of shit. It's a yeah, big it's bad. Shit. If you thought this movie was bad, you should listen to our review of Return to Nukem. Not not Return. Nukem High Part 2, which also really sucks. You know what, guys? Troll March is making my fucking brain melt. They all blend together. Somehow toxic waste is always involved, and they always turn into something, uh, some un- unhuman-like character that caused chaos in Tromaville. There's this- campers. There's soldiers. There's rednecks. There's babies drinking toxic waste. Blood, puke, probably some poop, and there's a cool ominous guy with a bag on his head that goes, "You're doomed." You know what? Trailmarsh makes me want to not live anymore. Really? Yeah. See, well, you have ceased to. You, you just gave up, man. You're done. You're you're over it. What, what about the be- part where they kill the zombies with some deodorant? Sure. See, no. bullshit. <laughs> what? I see. I thought that was fun. It's 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 fine. It's fine. It's Whatever. Cool. I mean, I guess for the budget, you get what you get, and what you get, what you get is redneck zombies, and there can, it this, is. This movie can eat a potpourri bag of dicks. I can't even remember. Were there boobs in this movie? They're kind of some fine smelling dicks. Were there boobs in the movie, Greg? I can't remember. Right. That's how much I, I after dude, this whole bunch of troll march. I seriously, my brain is basically maple they all syrup. Blend in together. Can I tell you something? Huh? Right, right in this moment. I've yes. never seen it. Okay. Never seen well, it? I know what the fuck I'm talking about. No. All right. Is this a movie? This is a thing. Like, is this a thing? There's a movie called Red Deck Zombies? Yes, it's called Red Deck Zombie. It's by Troma? No, they produced it. Oh, what the fuck? Just... Yeah, Lloyd Coffin didn't direct this movie or anything like that. Are you sure? I don't know. None of this matters. Nothing I say is true, especially Greg. I watched Debbie Does Dallas last night. That's a good movie. Yeah, that's a good movie. It's if really you're talking about movie. Zombievers. Whoa. No, we're not talking about Zombievers. We're talking about oh, Redneck Zombies. Oh, shit. <laughs> Whoa. Well, guys, uh, I, that's, that's all I'm going to say about Redneck Zombies. Yeah. Fuck it. Troll March. Troll March. Troll March. Troll March. Listen to us. We're damn that scary. Free t-shirts. You fucks. Yeah. Slashers, tell them all about your free t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> you love this shit. <laughs> all right, guys. We'll check in with you next week for the review of the can- Zombievers. Can- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Peace out, y'all. Love Bye. you. Bye. Bye. Gang, let's wrap this in a bow, put a button on it, and send us all home. You got one sentence to tell us about your love of redneck zombies. Well, how do you do it? This film is a great one to get totally baked to. Uh, I'm just going to say it. It shouldn't work. It shouldn't work for so many reasons, but it really does. And as far as uh, trauma offerings go, it's not that inaccessible. Like this could be a good entry point film if you're looking to get into trauma. It's a lot of fun. I rented it on Amazon. I think it's still free on YouTube. Uh, It's got subtitles on there, but check it out. It's fun. Fun effects, fun acting, fun characters. It's a good time. One of my uh, more favorite watches this month. Of all the trauma ones, this was the funniest. I think that it had really good dichotomy or whatever of uh, being funny and also being extremely dark, especially with the ending. And the fact that it was filmed on a camera doesn't really bother me either. So because I think that adds the aesthetic. We're in a bumpkin place, right? So why would they have this? big production for it so I, I feel very like Blair Witch right yes so you know I think it works with that and honestly I agree with Adam this would be a really good entry with trauma films um, and I, I feel like a lot of people knew about this when I was when I was doing research I saw a lot of people talking about it on YouTube which again never heard of it so I you know thank you guys for introducing me to this this crazy genre yay Tro March.
And Doug, what's your one sentence button for this episode? Well, I definitely say that, uh, you know, Redneck Zombies, give it a try because you'll end up liking it a lot. Honestly, it's up there with some of my favorite zombie movies, Return of the Living Dead, Redneck Zombies, Day of the Dead. So this is definitely one that will inspire you, especially if you're, you know, an artist trying to just get people to work together. Look at look at this. A whole little community came together and they thought it was fun. So definitely an inspirational episode. And I couldn't uh, praise Redneck Zombies uh, any higher than I than I do. I love it. Yeah, I got to agree with all my co-hosts here. I think that it, it is there's an, a very strong and compelling argument. This is the best of the movies we've done this month, even though it is not a trauma homegrown. Like, I think it's inarguably more trauma than like rabbit grannies, which I don't think is necessarily completely perpendicular, but obviously it's not the, the essence of trauma. But like this movie is so good and it's so much cheaper than like Newcomb High was where it almost feels like it's like these guys are like, oh, you can do provocative humor on a five dollar budget. Hold my beer. And they went to Uncle Lloyd and like, hey, you know, what we did cheaper than you and grosser than you and kind of funnier than you sometimes. Redneck zombies. That's not an endorsement. I don't know what is. Now, Adam, you design these things uh, that end up on shirts and phone cases and laptops and shower curtains. Uh, what's up with that? Where can we find stuff like that? Maybe hypothetically, if it was involved with the show and monetization. I don't know. Oh, you mean like the new Macho Mandigo design over at slasherspod.redbubble.com? Oh, perfect. And that is awesome. Adrian, let's say hypothetically people didn't want anything in return except for more slashers content, but wanted to relieve themselves of wads of cash. How could they do that? Oh, well, they could just head on over to our Patreon and, you know, just pay us to do whatever they'd like us to do. That'd be fun. You can find Adam at otherboy underscore art. You can find Adrian at pathologically ADE. You can find Doug at Doug Bizarro. And you can also find Doug's on Friday nights on Friday Night Action over at B-Movie TV. My name is Jake. Thank you for your patronage all through the month of March, and stay tuned for the Troll March ahead. Goodbye, and good die.